Hello, everyone, and welcome to Soul Quest. I am Sharon Hudson, teacher and life coach based out of Austin, Texas. And I am Cisco Naira, a personal trainer based out of Houston, Texas. And we are on a journey to discover other people's quest in life. Each episode, we will speak to each other and people of interest about life lessons, love, faith, passion, honesty, and authenticity as we continue to seek the truth in our soul's mission in this life. So join us and discover new ways of living through conversations that inspire your soul. It is your soul that leads you in life. Hello, welcome to episode 15 of Soul Quest. This week, I had the honor of sitting down with April Garner, who discusses the challenges and celebrations along her journey. We are very grateful to her for taking the time to do so. As always, if you are looking for further support along your journey, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can find me, Sharon, at dreambeautifulcoaching.com, and you can find Cisco at ciscoNyra.com. Enjoy the episode. Hi, April. Thank you for sitting down with me and talking about your journey today. Hi, Sharon. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm so excited to hear about all the um, things you have to say. I'm I have a lot of questions. <laughs> so, okay. Well, first off, April, I know you from um, publication Four Points. Is it that's what it's called? Neighbors of Four Points. Matt. Neighbors of Four yeah. Points. Um, when I first started my business, somehow we got connected, and you wrote uh, a little bit about my business in the one of the publications, which I'm very thankful for. And then we realized that we have a few mutual friends. Uh huh. <laughs> Yeah. Hannah told me to tell you hi. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, hi back at her. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you've done some editing for me, which I'm I so thankful because I read one of your blogs last year, I think it was, or a year, a couple of years ago, about uh your ex-husband that had passed away. And and then I saw that you did editing. And so I always kept you in my mind whenever I felt the need of reaching out to you. And so you've done some stuff for me that's been very, very helpful. So I really appreciate it. Well, good. I um, I really enjoyed editing it. I felt like I got a little um, self-help just, just reading and editing your book. <laughs> yes. And you had a lot of interesting comments to say about my writing. So I thought, hey, I just had this intuitive download that, hey, I need to ask. I should ask April if she wants to be on SoulQuest. <laughs> so here we are. All right. So April, tell us, how about we start back to your childhood, what kind of challenges and interesting things happened as you grew up that helped or maybe hindered <laughs> who you are today? Um, I grew up in, in the Dallas area in Richardson, just north of Dallas. Okay. Um, and it was a pretty, I grew up in a pretty diverse um, school system. There were lots of um, lots of people from Asia living in my neighborhood that I went to school with. And so that um, sort of influenced how I grew up a little bit. Um, my parents were, um, they worked really hard and they always, um, one of the things that I always think shaped me is just a very basic thing, but just the fact that um, my parents for all of their um, positive qualities and all of their challenges, always I always knew that they loved me. I always knew that no matter what mistake I could make or horrible thing I could do, um, that, that their love was always there for me. 
That's amazing. Now, sometimes their approval wasn't always there, but um, <laughs> but their love was. And um, so anyway, I grew up in this community where most people, most people, it was sort of a given you went off to college. That's what, mm -hmm. that's what you did. Um, and so even though I didn't have any kind of burning desire to do anything professionally, I knew that that was my next step after high school. So I went to UT and I came to Austin and wow, that transition, because I grew up from the time I was in first grade to the time I graduated from um, high school in the same community, going to the same school system, mm -hmm. you know, some of the people that I sat next to in graduation were in my, you know, second grade class. So I had never really had to go off and make friends. Friends always just came naturally. They were in your class. They, you know, were in your activities. Right. It wasn't something I gave a lot of thought to. Mm -hmm. So um, going off to school and being out of my parents' house and uh, being in a city, albeit just, you know, three and a half hours away on my own was a real <laughs> eye opener. I realized I did not know how to make friends. <laughs> <laughs> what a big life lesson right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so did you struggle in college because of that? I mean, I, I did. I um it probably didn't help that, like I said, I didn't have a lot of professional direction either. It wasn't like I was, you know, um, really burning to work on that, you know, pre-med degree or anything. So I was kind of adrift that way. Mm -hmm. And also, yeah, I just did not really know how to interact with people I didn't know or how to foster a friendship, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, it took me a couple of years, but I did, I, <laughs> through trial and error, a lot of error, <laughs> I did eventually figure it out. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure at UT, I mean, it's so huge. I went there for a year and a half. So it, it's a it's such a big opportunity to meet so many different kinds of people. Yes, there's it's it's a you know, it's a double edged sword being such a large community. You can feel sort of lost in the throng mm -hmm. um, and anonymous, but also there's a lot of different niches. So whatever your interests are, you know, you can usually find something yeah. someplace you feel comfortable. Definitely. Okay. And so is at UT, is that where you met your first husband? Um, yes. Yes. We were both in this um, co-ed service organization. It's called Alpha Phi Omega, but it wasn't really a, wasn't a fraternity, so to speak of. It was, it was service-based, um, but we also hung out socially a lot. So yes, that's, that's how I met him. So did you feel like, I mean, what did you feel like when, when you met him? Was it like, okay, let's get married right away or? We were actually friends for, um, I don't know, a year or so before we got involved. Um, and he had this just huge personality and people would meet him and they would either <laughs> love him or hate him. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I mean, he was loud and upfront and one of the things I really, um, that really drew me to him was he was always very honest. Um, and so you never, you never had to guess, there were no mind games. You never had to guess what he thought. He always told you, um, which isn't always a good thing, <laughs> but, but it did appeal to me from the sense that, yeah, I didn't have to guess what he was thinking. He got married. I, I you know, I, I mentioned before, you know, I had a timeline. <laughs> Yes, yes. Tell us about that timeline that most people have. <laughs> I, in my head, I did this math that was absolutely ridiculous looking back on it, um, where I wanted to be done having kids before I was 30. And so oh, wow. if I backtracked that for how long I wanted everything to take, I basically, <laughs> when I was, 
you know, 20 decided, so I need to meet the person I'm going to marry like right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. That's so early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, 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 when I look back on it, it is, yes, it is ridiculously early, but that's, that's where I was with that at the time. And I, I think, um, having that timeline while it was constraining, I think it was actually also comforting to me mm-hmm. because then I, it gave me a framework. It's these are, these are the things we're going to, you know, this is what we're going to do next. We're going to get married and then we're going to have kids. And then, you know, I had these milestones that I could rely on without um, really having to delve into who I was and what I wanted, which, you know, was scary. Right. <laughs> I know. And that's like so many of us fall into that in our 20s. We just we kind of go with the flow of what we've been taught to do and what everybody else is doing. And we don't take the time to figure out what do I really want to do? I mean, I went I changed my major about four times. I went to three or four different colleges and (laughs) and I decided, you know, okay, I'm going to be a nurse because it's stable and I can work anywhere, you know, like it'll be easy to get a job. And then I went, I did that. And I was like, no, this isn't for me. And then I was like, I need to go work with animals. I just kept changing my mind. But what I really was trying to do was trying to find something that would be easy and like get me out of college as soon as I can, so I can get married and like have kids. But, um, doing the typical timeline like you're talking about. But I mean, my timeline was a little bit farther away than yours. Like, <laughs> I was like, if I'm not married by 35, I'm going to adopt a kid. I had all this in my mind too. And I think so many of us do that. I think because it gives us, like you were saying, like a sense of control and a plan. Uh-huh. And we feel safer that way when we have our life planned out when we think we know what's coming, but you know, then we get like knocked on our feet when something happens, that's not in our plan. <laughs> right. So then what happened after your plan started like not working out? <laughs> well, um, I guess around the time I was, we got, uh, my, me and my first husband got married when I was 25 and a couple years later, we started trying to have children and um, I had a miscarriage. And then I had three more miscarriages. Mm, wow. And um, the way I felt it, I mean, obviously I, anybody probably can understand that there was grief and loss in losing a baby there. But retrospectively, I realized there was also this, this really um, panicky sort of loss of control that I felt. Yes that I had always everything because of the way I set the bar for myself, which was never very high. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I had always achieved everything that I'd ever gone after. And this was something I I could not just make it happen. Wow. Wow. That is a big lesson. And I, I, I felt very, I felt very lost at the time. Mm -hmm. I I can imagine. I mean, that's a lot of losses. And did they happen like one after the other? I would assume like pretty much because, you know, like I said, I was on a timeline. (laughs) So, um, and I didn't, I didn't have any trouble getting pregnant. So yeah, they pretty much happened within, um, probably I had all four of those within the space of, I think three years. Wow. Okay. I mean, it, Aside from the, you know, the circumstances, I'm sure, you know, there were some hormone hormones at work there as well that were, it was, yeah, it was a rocky ride. Right. Wow. I can't even imagine uh, the feeling of that 
so many losses. So what do you think now looking back, what do you think, do you see maybe a reason for these losses that you experienced one after the other? Do you see any kind of lesson that you got from it? I do. I think it forced me to step back from this plan that I had and my idea about how things were supposed to go. It forced me to step back and look at my life and think about the things that I could control and think about what I did want, you know, aside from this very practical timeline I had set out. That that really is what led me to reflect on the fact that I, I was not really happy in my marriage. So do you think these miscarriages led you to decide to part ways? I do. Not maybe in the way a lot of people think. I mean, people always say that things like this can really stress a marriage, and that is right. true. Um, but I think more in the way that it like I said, that it, it really forced me to look at what I was doing and what I want now that the plan was out the window, you know, right. yeah. <laughs> um, what did I have left? And I can remember this one particular day and nothing in particular was happening, but I was standing in our house by myself and I was feeling very frustrated with him um, because we weren't good at communicating with each other. And I had all these things that I wanted to tell him, but that I always sort of hid behind um, nitpicky little things, you know, like the, you never take out the trash kind of things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I didn't know how to express those things. And I realized this one day just sitting there thinking, I'm like, I've either got to find a way to tell him these things because if I keep stuffing all this down, this is not going to work. You know, I can't live like this. I can't live with all these feelings crammed down inside of me. Right. But I didn't know how to tell him. And so I did not do anything. And I think probably at that moment, I knew it was, I knew I, on some level, I knew it was over because I knew I did not know how to express myself to him. Mm -hmm. And, um, and how, how did he, did you, how did you um, approach him about divorce? How did that go? Um, <laughs> that was, I, you know, when I talk about it, I'm like, it was a mess. I, I, I sat him down on the bed one day and, and what I actually said to him in all honesty is I told him I was in love with somebody else. Okay. And, and I was, um, and I told him I had to leave and I needed to think. And he got very angry and very upset. And I moved out of the house like that day immediately. Mm. Um, and the next several months, the next six, eight months were full, full, full of a lot of back and forth and a lot of yelling and a lot of, um, crying. And it was, it was a very, it was a really hard time. It was a really very stressful time. Yes, I'm sure I, I've been there for sure. Um, so, and that, I think what you just said, I just need to make this. Um, aware to everybody what you just said where you 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 fell in love with somebody else you were you had a year of knowing that you didn't want to be with them you knew this wasn't right and then somebody came into the picture I I feel like and I actually posted about this um on my divorced bliss Instagram today I 
I said, you know, like when you're not supposed to be somewhere and you're staying, something's going to happen to push you out. Like there's going to be many multiple experiences or there's going to be somebody that comes to be like, Hey, it's time for you to go. Like, I mean, this just happens. Um, you were staying too long and somebody came along and the universe was like, okay, it's time for you to go. How, how are we going to get you to leave? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The unfortunate thing was, um, that I was very good at, you know, during that time that I I knew things were, you know, not working out, I was very good at hiding it. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't share my feelings with anybody and to all outside appearances, everything was fine. You know, we had a, we had a happy marriage. So then when I left, everybody was shocked ever, all of my friends, all of my family. Um, and you know, like, Whereas there were some people that I knew I could count on to be there for me, like my parents, and they were, um, you know, I lost some friends in the situation because they didn't, Mm. to them, it was all very sudden and understandably they, they didn't, they didn't understand it because I didn't show that those things to people. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so that happens a lot when um, people decide to get divorced and everybody's shocked because I mean, some people aren't just going to tell the world what's going on in their marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every marriage, every marriage has something. Yeah. My, uh, my grandmother used to say, it's a simple saying, she used to say, you never know what goes on in somebody else's marriage. And I think that a lot because mm-hmm. as I've gotten older and, and friends have gotten divorced and remarried and things, I'm like, you know, we may be surprised, but we have no idea what was going on behind the scenes there. Right. Totally. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So then you left your marriage, um, closed a door, opened another one and your current husband Mm -hmm. was, um, the one that you fell in love with, right? Yeah. Yes, he was. Oh, and you're happily married now. I love that. And you have, how many kids? We have two kids. We've been married for 13 years now, I think almost 14. Yeah. Great. Yay. So it's just, I hear so many stories about, um, you know, the first marriage leading, um, leading you into your, you know, the love of your life. And unfortunately it has to happen like that. Not all relationships are made to last and sometimes they're there just to help you get to where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And I think that also, at least the way I was raised in my family, nobody got to divorced mm-hmm. if you know being raised in that environment where all of my aunts and uncles were still married my parents were still married and it's I had this idea in my head that that's not something you know we did we didn't get divorced and so I think that's also part of the reason I stayed in that first marriage longer because I didn't feel like divorce was a permissible option until it was really right sort of forced upon me like you said <laughs> yes right I mean you go into the marriage not thinking at all that you're going to get divorced. I mean, it's just, nobody really thinks that. Right. (laughs) It just kind of like, Oh wait, this isn't in my plan, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but I'm not happy. So I have to do something off my plan. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So then now what are some things that, um, have helped you grow since, you've got gotten into the second marriage and had two kids what are some growth experiences you've had 
Um, well, after the kids were born, you know, when, when after the kids were born, when they were little, a lot of my life was taken up with, you know, diapers and feedings and play dates and those kinds of things. But once they started to get a little older and more independent, I realized I'm like, now, like, I truly am off my timeline. (laughs) I think my timeline only went through having kids. So I was like, uh, you know, when they're both in school, you're like, I've got more time now. Like, what do I want to do with myself? Right. And I knew I didn't want to go back to, um, before I had kids, I, I, I did some engineering work with my dad and I, I also, I taught school. Um, and I knew I didn't want to go back to that. And I had always been a writer, like just for myself. You know, I, I think I started a blog when my oldest, he's now 13, but right after he was born, I started a blog just to sort of, um, vent my feelings mm-hmm. and, so once they, once the kids were a little more independent, I realized I was like, well, you know, maybe I could actually write for a living, mm-hmm. which was a very scary idea indeed. <laughs> it is scary. <laughs> it is, but you're a wonderful writer. Yeah, I'm still here. Are you still there? Yes, I'm still here. I lost Are you for back? a second, but you're back. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I feel like that when I was growing up, I, I, most of my friends in high school were very ambitious. You know, they wanted to go off and be architects and engineers and doctors and lawyers. I mean, literally that was my friend set. And so I didn't, and you know, with my parents sort of um, steering my sister and me in the direction of do something safe, do something reliable, something right, that you know right. will bring you a paycheck and pay for your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the idea of being a writer was, I'm like, that sounds really scary and unstable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Definitely it is. But I think um, the older we get, it feels like we take more. Um, we're brave. We're more brave in taking steps towards those scary things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's a struggle. Um, and I, I admit, most of the struggle has been against myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's usually how it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's. I don't know. I feel like it's it's nice to be in a place where I do feel more comfortable taking that kind of risk mm-hmm. personally and professionally. Um, Oh, and there's always the insecurity though. And you'll hear, you hear this with a lot of writers who come to it late in life. And it's that like, you know, I don't have a degree in journalism. I don't have an MFA. I don't have any of the official writer credentials. And it's easy to let that sort of undermine your sense of, you know, your self-esteem as a writer because you don't have all these things. Right. Um, But then again, you know, some of my favorite writers are basically self-made writers so Mm -hmm. yeah isn't that amazing that's it you know what and I saw when you sent me your birthday I was like oh you're a Virgo I'm a Virgo too and I I've heard that Virgos have a tendency to feel they need to be certified in things like before they feel secure like and I've Uh, had that issue where I felt like oh I, I should get this degree or I need to get certified like I I'm constantly looking for what I can be certified in you know so people take me seriously 
Yeah, so you can put letters after your name at the official. (laughs) Right. So I think I finally uh, realized that I don't need to do that um, anymore because I really, you know, life experience is the best teacher. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. For sure. So, and so where are you writing these days? Well, um, I have, I, I sort of took a hiatus from my blog unintentionally. I just, you know, couldn't think of anything to write for a while, but I've gotten back on that. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm renewed my commitment to writing there once a week. Um, I've also, I've got some freelance clients that I'm writing, um, web copy and social media posts for, and I've written a few articles for the, um, Four Points newspaper as well. Nice. Nice. Well, I, I love reading your blog, so I'm glad you're back to doing that. Well, thank and you. I will- I'm my sort of my next project that I am a little scared about, but I'm biting off is um, I'm going to try to write some new blog posts and compile them into a book. So that's oh, my that'd be amazing. That's a great idea. Thanks. Love it. Yeah. We, and we can post your, your website here in the notes of the podcast episode. Um, So I have a question for you. So what would you say lights you up in life? What, what's something that you do that just like really feeds your soul? Mm, Being outside and planting things. Mm, Yes, I agree. I love like, you know, taking cuttings of plants and putting in the dirt and watching them grow. I, it does something for me viscerally that I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm blooming right along with them. <laughs> yes. I love that too. That's why I love springtime so much. I'm like, this is my favorite season. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> love it. Blooming. Okay. And so, all right. So I asked you your birth date and place and time because I wanted to to tell you your human design before we leave today. Uh-huh. And I told you you're a manifesting uh-huh. generator, which is every time I see somebody as a manifesting generator, I'm like, oh, wow, you're so powerful. I just, <laughs> because, um, you know, Hannah Williams, our mutual friend, she's a manifesting generator and she just lives it to a T. I mean, she amazes me with all the energy she has. Um, so a manifesting generator is a like a, there's five energy types. There's a manifester, a generator, a manifesting generator, a projector, and a reflector. And so the manifesting generators and the generators are the most popular. So you you make up about 33% of the population. And what this means, and there's a lot involved in it, but I'll just say a little bit about what I know about it. <laughs> um, a manifesting generator kind of combined the... Um, the fire of a manifester and the energy of a generator. So generators, they have this um, built-in energy system. So you have that within you where you have your own energy system. You don't have to get energy from anybody else. You have it built into yourself. And a manifester is known for starting fires, but not able to keep the fire burning. So you have like both of that, which is amazing. Like you're able to start fires and keep it burning. Like I'm a manifester. So And I see that in me a lot where I'm able to start things, but it's so hard for me to finish. As you can see with my writing, I was telling you like, oh my God, I can't procrastinate so bad. I cannot finish this. I just like, I start writing things and then I'm like, oh, forget about it. (laughs) I have to say, I do relate to that. (laughs) Oh, oh, you do? Okay. So maybe that's more. I have my share of unfinished writings on my computer, believe me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, writing is a whole, um, 
different thing. But yeah, I mean, writing is, is just hard. You know, it's hard. It's hard to sit down and do it. But so a manifesting generator, as a manifesting generator, you have um, uh, the built-in energy system and you have a lot of downloads of ideas, I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and also I saw on your chart that you're an emotional um, authority, which is the same as me. So I can tell you a little bit about that. As an emotional authority, that means that you you really have your own emotions so when you're feeling like deeply, it's really coming from deep inside of you as opposed to somebody else. So like somebody that um, is not um, an emotional authority might like feel a lot of other people's emotions, but your emotions are really mostly from inside of you. And they, they tend to be like a roller coaster away. <laughs> <laughs> that, that definitely rings true. <laughs> yes, like me too. And so when it comes to decision making, it's really important that you, um, as an emotional authority, uh, wait those um, highs and lows out and wait till you're feeling really balanced to make decisions, which is really helpful for me when I hear that because I'm like, yes, you're right. Because I, you know, when you get really sad about something, you tend to make decisions and then you regret it later and you're like, ah. So, yes, that's totally something I work on. Is it's you know, that I call my blog writing the wave for that reason. And part of that is, is writing out those, um, those lows and sometimes even the extreme highs, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. To find that place where, where is the good decision-making place? Uh-huh. Yes. Right. 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 When we're balanced and I'm, I'm definitely practicing that, practicing that more now that I'm aware of this. So but anyway, yeah, that's just a little bit about it. I, I love human design. I've gotten into it a lot more this year. So I've been trying to put that in um, to the podcast episodes more just to make people more aware of it. So we'll wrap things up. Is there any is there any book or any kind of recommendations you have for people that help you maintain your emotional well-being or your growth in life? Um, yeah, actually, I'm almost finished with this book that's taken me uh, and it's taken me, I think, years to read. Um, <laughs> it's called, I wish I could remember the author's name, but it's called, It's Not Always Depression. Oh, I have that book. You have that book, yes, Working the I Change do. Triangle? Yes, yes. Um, I can't remember either, but it's like a blue and white cover, right? Well, mine's red and white, but I think it's, I want to say the author's name is Hillary Handel. Yes, it's Hillary something. Yes. Um, and it's, like it's definitely a book I feel like you don't just read that book you have to like work through that book yes yes I haven't I actually bought it I think maybe a year ago and I haven't finished yeah I put it down and I never went back to it but I just I just went back to it because I did the same thing I picked it up and I started reading I first got it I my sister sent it to me and she was like you're gonna love this and I I read uh, maybe a third of it and it was it made me think about all these things in my life and I got kind of overwhelmed and I was like I I need a break from this (laughs) yeah like it's really good, but I need a break. Right. You're right. It really does make you think and so about it. And I recently went back and picked it up and it's, um, yeah, it, I think it's an amazing book if you can really read it with an open mind and really like work through it and read it kind of right. slowly and methodically and reflect on it. Yes. Use it as um, like a form of therapy for sure. Yeah. I remember it was very helpful. I actually heard her on a podcast. Um, I think it was Mark Groves. Um podcast and I was like hey this sounds interesting so I bought it and I I started reading it there's a lot of helpful stuff in there for sure but I did yeah I didn't finish it I tend to do that with um, books a lot sometimes I'll lose interest and 
if I don't feel like it applies to me at the moment, like, a, you know, I'll just kind of leave it. But now that you mentioned it, yeah. I'm going to go back <laughs> and look at it. Okay. Thank you so much, April. I enjoyed our conversation and um, I will be in touch and let you know when this is ready to go. Okay, great. Thank you, Sharon. I really enjoyed this too. I hope we get to talk more in the future. Yes, definitely. And I'll be in touch when I, when I need your, your wisdom again. <laughs> <laughs>